Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Jo Milmine and this is episode 90, Curious Handmade, an interview with Helen Stewart. I feel a need to laugh again with you, if that's alright. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shiny Bees podcast. How are you? I hope you're well since last time I spoke to you. And if you are a returning listener, hello again, welcome. And if you are a new listener, a hearty welcome into the show. Come in, get comfy, sit down, make a few friends. There's lots of lovely people here for you to hang out with as well. So this week I'm very excited to be bringing you an interview with a lovely fellow podcaster, uh, Helen Stewart. But before I do crack into that, interview which I found really interesting and um, I think Helen enjoyed the opportunity to be able to uh, talk about her design work uh, more freely in our usual interview format. Um, I have a little bit of uh, news. So first up is um, my lovely assistant LJ. Some of you met her at Edinburgh Yarn Festival because she came along to see what it was all about. Now LJ isn't a knitter yet, um, but it was ve- it was very close, very close. At one point, she was found transfixed, stroking a skein of pink. She's not pink at all. Pink um, alpaca silk cashmere that she said it was just so lovely. It was like stroking a baby rabbit. And um, and she loved it so soft, she was just kind of cuddling it. No idea what to do with it, but uh, was found basically cuddling this, um, you know, it's not the cheap stuff. She doesn't go for the cheap stuff. Anyway, um, the funny story was, is that LJ obviously came down for uh, the day to come see what all the yarny fuss was about, because she obviously knows a bit about um, a bit about knitting, but she doesn't actually take part in it herself at the moment I'm working on her everybody's working on her everybody's working on her so she came to Edinburgh Yarn Festival and um came along to birthday gin and then came the next day and sort of took in all of all of the sights and sounds that were on offer and then about tea time she had to leave to go home now she was getting the train back up north to where I used to live that's where she lives at the moment and she's just about to move house they're packing up her house uh today and um, as she got onto the train, she sat down heavily. It was a very long day, you know, exhausting. All those yarn fumes. I'm sure you know as well as I do exactly what it feels like after a long day of uh, yarn show fun. And she she sat down rather he- too heavily into her train seat, having not seen the train arm of the seat, you know, the armrest, was down rather than up. Now, unfortunately for LJ, this caused quite a mishap and she basically broke her ass and had to go to A&E the next day because she was in so much pain. Now, I'm not laughing. I'm not, I'm not laughing at her. <laughs> I'm not laughing at her um, because this, I mean, this is an unfortunate accident anyway, and I'd imagine it's incredibly painful. And she was basically off her face uh, for a week or so afterwards on all these painkillers and drugs they'd given her, um, which wouldn't be quite so bad 
except she was meant to be training for a marathon, um, for the London Marathon this weekend. Now, for those who don't know her that well, um, she's probably even more stubborn than I am. And she, you know, she does a lot of stuff for charity and volunteering and helping um, people. And so she was running the marathon for sense which is a charity in the uk for deafblind people it's advocacy and a charity for deafblind people and those with sensory impairments so she basically the doctor was like me probably shouldn't be doing that and she was like me as soon as i can walk i'm out running again basically sod off i'll i'll cry when it's finished type thing so as a result she is she's still running the marathon this weekend now, she still has to kind of sit with one arse cheek on a, on a pillow at the moment uh, without putting too fine a point on it. And it's going to have to have a, a rather eye-watering kind of procedure carried out if this doesn't resolve itself. Um, but because she'd committed to um, to running this marathon, <laughs> um, even though she broke her arse, as a result of yarn fumes, that's bringing it back to that, that's why she hurt herself, is she was still quite, quite intoxicated on the yarn fumes. Um she's still going to run it, which is amazing. So, um, we're got, well, obviously I'm sponsoring her and, um, the Golden Skin's also going to sponsor her. Um, but if any of you guys think it's funny (laughs) and want to sponsor her as well to help her get above her target, because I'm kind of like, it would be nice if you got above your target, because this is going to be quite painful. I mean, running a marathon is not on my list of enjoyable things to do. Running a marathon with a broken arse as a result of sniffing too much yarn... (laughs) is probably one of those things I will never ever attempt but once she's made her mind up she does it so if you want to get involved I will leave a um a link in the show notes um and if you go in have a look for her I'll get a little picture so you can cheer her on if you see her um because I'm sure she would love that I know I have a lot of listeners in London who like to go watch the marathon and I know there are a lot of people but on the off chance on the off chance that you see someone who looks like they've got a broken arse running a marathon, then you can give her a wave. Um, so yeah, I'll put that in the show notes for you. And best of luck to LJ for that. I will report, but I might even get her on next week and report back as to uh, as how, how she found that. <laughs> so after after that, I know I really feel like I should have knitted her some like a little sweatband or something to wear. That'd be quite funny. Little shiny wee sweatband. Um, I wonder if it's time to sort that out. There might still be time to sort that out. Anyway, um, what have I got for you today? Well, as I mentioned, I have an interview with another Londoner or London-based person. She is an Aussie. It's the lovely Helen Stewart of Curious Handmade, award-winning podcaster and a general all-round lovely lady. Helen has been podcasting for since 2013 and has been designing for a little bit longer than that and has produced lots of lovely, beautiful patterns and collections, both of her own and for prominent publications as well. And I know she has uh, quite a big audience also listens to this podcast as well. And if you are one of those special people, hello. Um, but I was really keen to get her on and talk to her about the design side of her work. Because um, obviously we've chatted a lot about podcasting between ourselves, but you guys might not be that interested in the ins and outs of microphones and you know workflows and all that sort of stuff but you'll definitely be interested in hearing all about her kind of thoughts and how she goes about designing so you can find everything to do with hair 
at curioushandmade.com and you can find her podcast Curious Handmade on iTunes and all the other podcatchers and there are links and show notes for that on her website as well. So please be upstanding and welcome our lovely guest today, Helen Stewart. Right, well, I am delighted then to welcome Helen Stewart of the Curious Handmade podcast onto the show today. How are you, Helen? Hi, Joe, I'm great. Lovely. Thanks very much for agreeing to come onto the show and to talk to us about all of your design work. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm very pleased to be here having a chat. Oh, lovely. Um, so for those who maybe aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about you as a person and how you came to be interested in Yarny Pursuits? Sure. Um, well, you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not from the UK. I was born and bred in Queensland in Australia. And I guess um sort of had a very crafty upbringing. So I was born in Toowoomba, which is a little country town. And it's probably one of the few places in Queensland that is slightly cold area. And so both mum and dad were really crafty and my extended family as well. Um, Dad was a keen woodworker and he made furniture and kept bees and at one stage we had two goats which didn't last very long but um, sort of a bit uh, a DIY kind of um, growing up and then mum was always sewing and crafting and she sewed most of our clothes and they were at one stage spinning. She, I can re- remember her doing quite a bit of spinning and making yarn when I was about like four or five, I guess, so quite young. It's kind of an early memory. And then the uh, I was a child of the 70s, so macrame featured quite heavily and things <laughs> like that. So, so yeah, so she taught me a lot of crafty things sort of growing up. And then we moved to um, North Queensland, which in Australia is it's tropical kind of um, area. So all the woolens got put away. And, uh, you know, just sort of went through that phase that a lot of people seem to go through of not really doing much crafting or knitting, you know, through your late teens and 20s for a lot of people. So that happened to me. And then when I was about 25, I got the travel bug quite badly and um, started started a kind of nomadic life that continues today. But uh, I'm quite settled in London now. But, um, yeah, travel for a lot of a lot of time. And I guess uh, it was when I moved to London that I picked up knitting again because it was obviously quite cold here compared to to what I was used to. And, um, yeah, I met met a group of friends um, and a fellow Aussie expat, my my friend Pauline, started me knitting again. And so I guess it's just something that's happened gradually over the last 10 years or so that I've got more and more immersed into the fibery knitty world so yeah that's kind of my story (laughs) oh I love that and there's definitely quite a big element of that in your design work and how you're influenced by this sort of nomadic lifestyle as well yeah definitely I mean I get a lot of inspiration when I'm traveling I think you know it's when you're on holidays and get away from your day-to-day life that I don't know. I, I find it very inspiring traveling and, and things. So yeah, it is definitely a big influence in my designs. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, so what was the tipping point then? Obviously you've talked about how you came back to knitting. 
and moving to London and um, getting this group of friends. What was the tipping point that turned what was a hobby into a business? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it has been very organic, sort of. I started designing, um, you know, as it was definitely a hobby when I started. And my friend Pauline, who I mentioned, invited me to, she had a, was doing a book of knitting patterns and she invited me to contribute to it. And I just had um, Sophie and so I was really into the baby knits at that point. So <laughs> I, <laughs> my first pattern was a, it was a baby sweater, um, but I very soon quickly sort of switched from that to, you know, more the accessories and shawls and I became quite obsessed with lace, uh, knitting and things like that. So I just started uh, gradually designing a couple of shawl patterns and accessory patterns and for the first few years it was just a couple of patterns a year, you know, it was really kind of just a here and there and when I had a bit of inspiration and a bit of time in between you know kids and work and all that sort of thing so um, I guess I, I started getting more interested in the idea of doing more and one of the tipping points I guess was I had a pattern published in Nitty in the spring summer 2012 which was the afternoon tea shawl and that gave me a huge boost in sort of visibility I guess and um, and then, yeah, I just started having a lot of fun with it. So I did the, the Curious Collective shawl, which was a really um, collaborative shawl design with um, people on my blog. And then, yeah, I went back to work after having my second daughter and I wasn't enjoying it very much. And so, you know, and at the same time, the Curious Handmade designs had been growing a bit. So, yeah, around the time of... Um, I think Christmas 2013, I I decided to stop working in my corporate job and went sort of went part-time mum and part-time curious handmade. And I guess that's the time that it really started um, sort of taking off, I, I guess. Yeah, so it's just a very gradual, organic kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's quite a common story a lot of people do sort of go into it from a uh, just playing around and trying things for themselves and then gradually get more and more sort of immersed in what they're doing and want to take it a bit further exactly yeah um and i i think also having having kids had something to do with it because i was very keen to have something more flexible um and so this is something that i can control and work around them and also do from anywhere. So I really like having my own business now, which is not something that I ever thought I would do. But um, yeah, having having the kids is sort of probably gave me a bit of a push that I might not have had otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I can identify with that. And I think a lot of people can. It's that sort of baby effect. It's that kind of wanting to kind of be around and see everything and maybe things that were really important to you previously sort of aren't that much anymore definitely yeah I mean some certain things just drop away don't they you know <laughs> I used to be into going out for drinks after work and you know outfits for work and yeah I mean just none of that really interests me very much anymore and so yeah it just yeah it's just something that happens quite naturally I think 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, going a little bit off piece as well here, as, as <laughs> we like to. Um, so what made you, because I'm very interested in this kind of thing, and I really like your podcast. I think it's really well executed and produced. And that's kind of where I point people to like, if you want an example of how to do it like properly, <laughs> go and look at Helen's <laughs> oh, thank podcast. You. What made you decide to become a podcaster? Yeah, well, that was a, I guess it was part of setting, you know, deciding to focus on the curious handmaid is more of a business. Um, I had always loved knitting podcasts. So I'd, I'd listened to, um, a lot and I'd listened to a lot of duos like Stash and Burn and, uh, the Nimble Girls and, you know, sort of teams of two. And I kind of thought that's what you really needed to be able to do a knitting podcast is have a buddy or a mom or someone to do it with, because I, I didn't really see, you know, I didn't have listened to many that were just single people at that at that stage um, a few years ago. And then I started listening to Paula from the Knitting Pipeline podcast. And I just sort of saw a different model for it, I guess, and thought, oh, maybe I could do that. And, yeah, it, it kind of seems like a funny decision for me in a way because, you know, I'm quite shy and reserved and, um you know, I do think it's some in some ways quite funny to have a podcast, but as my husband pointed out, it's like, well, you don't have to go out and meet people when you're doing it. <laughs> you can just sit and talk to the computer. I'm like, yes, honey, thanks. That's yes, that's true. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I just decided that it would be a fun thing to do, and also um, hopefully create a, a community around what I was doing with my designs and the knitting and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so I, I, um, in that sort of, I, like, I thought about resigning from my job for a long time and then sort of coming up to that Christmas, it was 2013 and I was, uh, working on Knitvant, um, working out my notice period, planning a trip to Australia and decided to start a podcast at the same time. So, my first few episodes were recorded at about 1am in the morning at that point. <laughs> so, but it was fun. I just really, really loved it from the very beginning. So yes, <laughs> that's how it came about, I guess. It's funny because lots of podcasters are really introverted. And when you, when you meet them, you're just like, wow, you're quite quiet, aren't you? <laughs> right. right. I think because it's the element of just you're, you're on your own in a room. It doesn't really matter because it's just you. Right. Yeah, and I think it, I mean it has really has helped me, um, you know, um, make a lot of contacts. And I started I started quite early on doing interviews, although I don't you know interview people all the time. But I think it was good for me to sort of start in that way. Mm -hmm. um, Amy Singer from Nitty was one of my very first episodes, and you know I think that was really quite good for me to sort of push myself to you know say would you mind doing this and I was so so nervous oh my goodness that you know the tech wouldn't work and all of that but but yeah it's fun and you know I think often you can surprise yourself by doing things that you don't think you can do um with a with a bit of a nudge yeah, yeah. absolutely um I definitely agree with the, what you said about being able to kind of go out and meet people, podcasting, although you're on your own in a room when you do it, it sort of gives you the springboard to go and meet so many different people. Yeah, yeah, I know it's really nice. I mean, I've just spoken to the most amazing people sort of both on the podcast and because of the podcast mm -hmm. and, you know, people 
uh, you know, contact you and, yeah, it's just really nice. It's such a nice community, you know. I mean, there's there's really nothing to be worried about, is there, because as we know, knitters are lovely. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so taking it from from that then to a, a typical day for you, which I feel like could be quite an interesting and open question. What, what <laughs> does a typical day look like for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think as a, as a kind of a mum, like it, it's changing. It's, it's always changing, isn't it? Uh, she says yes. kind of nervously, just having a child home sick all week um, and throw curveballs at you. So, yes. Um, but generally, um, kids off to school in the morning, work like crazy for six hours or however long I have and, uh, yeah, pick them up again. But um, I was thinking about like this question and I think with what um, the kind of work I do, which is designing and the podcast um, and blogging, you know, different think aspects of part of the business, there's lots and lots of different things going on. So one day could be a photo shoot for new designs. One day could be sort of pinning things to Pinterest for a concept for a new collection, Um you know, writing out patterns, knitting patterns. So there's lots and lots of different things happening. But generally um, every week I'm recording the podcast. That's a, a fairly constant. And I think that having a weekly podcast does keep me to that schedule, which is good. Um, I considered sort of, you know, maybe doing it every two weeks or, you know, maybe not quite so often at one point because it, it is quite time consuming. But then I thought, I just every my whole life might go off the rails if I did that. <laughs> I just need that one thing that's consistent and that I have to do every Friday is upload my podcast. So, so yeah, so it, it is really, really varied, which I absolutely love. Um, and uh, yeah, it's fun. And knitting is portable, so I can do a lot of work at random times of the day. Yeah, I particularly like it when you put one of your nice posh coffees up. When you're in a cafe uh, somewhere, I'm like, oh. <laughs> funny oh, I lived in London. You won't get one of those in Wigan. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's a super treat. I have a, um, well, a couple of really, really nice coffee shops in five-minute walk from my house. So I tend to spend a lot of time here by myself. So I every now and then put on some clothes and <laughs> leave the house and go and have a nice coffee. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely a big fun of that. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Um, so you've talked a little bit about obviously your day and um, where you like to work and how you mix things up. And you've hinted a little bit about your creative process. And can you tell us a little bit more about that when you come to develop a new design or a collection? What What is your creative process? Is it a set one or does it vary? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely varies. Um, probably as I've got more experience that's a little bit more sort of I find I've found what works for me a bit better but um the ideas the initial ideas can come from lots of different places often it's from yarn so from a particular yarn that I've come across um whenever I go into a yarn shop I kind of like I think all the color really sparks a lot of um, creativity for me I just I'm a, I'm a bit of a color junkie and 
love kind of all sort, you know, all colors. <laughs> Apart from green, I'm not so keen on green, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, just seeing like lots of different colors and and the yarns is really inspiring. I often buy something thinking, oh, I'm going to design something in this and. I used to do that more. Now I'm a bit more considered about yarn choices and, you know, think, okay, well, is that, is that going to be suitable for what I want to make? Um, not using, you know, 100% alpaca for a pair of socks and things like that. But, um, yeah, so I start off with some inspiration from somewhere, which is often yarn, and then try and find a theme. So if I'm thinking about a collection like Knit Vent, um, I'll – try and find a theme to sort of group, you know, the pieces around. And it's um, often quite sort of um, vague, like a, a feeling like light and bright or more is more, um, which are, you know, themes that I had for the, my last two um, knit vent collections. And it just, I don't know, for me it just helps tie it together. And so I just start thinking about what pieces might be in the collection and um, swatching and uh, yeah, and just it just some some designs come together really quickly and really easily from you know the the first swatch will work, and then other times it's uh like um, I was working on this swatch recently, which basically turned into a whole shawl, and uh, I still hadn't quite found the you know the key to it. So yeah, so it's a uh, it's a time consuming process for me. <laughs> can be um yeah but it's it's fun I like it I like that creative aspect to my job yeah it's, it's interesting to hear because everyone approaches it in a different way and some people are quite scientific and methodical and they'll do the same thing every time and other people just get out a pair, a pair of needles and crack on type thing oh yeah definitely um there's there's no right or right or wrong way to to do it and um yeah, it is. I find it fascinating as well. I love, I love um, asking people what, how they work, and <laughs> I often feel like are they whether I'm, you know, I'm inappropriately asking people <laughs> this design process. So I always enjoy that part of your podcast, <laughs> getting a little insight into that. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a reason why I don't design. <laughs> I just design a load of half knitted patterns. I'm like, I'm bored of this now. Get me, get me something new. <laughs> No. Oh, terrible, terrible. <laughs> I was one of those children who made my mum buy like the variety packs of cereals because I'm just like, I can't eat the same cereal every day. What are you doing to me? Um, <laughs> but now I eat the same breakfast every day. It's strange. Anyway, <laughs> so um, no journey is ever a smooth one and has running a business does have its ups and downs, <laughs> as we know. Yes. Um, can you think of a time where things maybe didn't quite go to plan? What happened and what you learnt as a result of it? This is such a mean question, Joe. If you're never I making am. mistakes, you're not trying anything new. I think Einstein said that and he knew what he was on about, right? It's true. It's true. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to share my failures if it can help somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pull up a chair. We'll be here a while. <laughs> right. And it would be anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think it is It is true. You just have to you keep keep trying different things if to find what works for you, um, it, it, is, it isn't always easy. I think I guess one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to be more patient 
Um, because I, for me, knitting and designing takes a long, a long time. I'm not, I'm not super speedy or anything. Um, so that takes a while. And one particular example I can think of was a few years ago and I submitted an idea to a magazine and it had quite a tight deadline. Um, and it, um, it ended up not working out because I was a lot less experienced and had submitted something quite ambitious and gung-ho. <laughs> and then partway through that, we had a trip planned. Um, and it was a, a family trip to Singapore. And my daughter got the chicken pox while we were over there. And so we were delayed for a week. And, um, yeah, it just it just... Um, it just meant that I didn't have enough time to to do a good job, and I submitted it. But I knew that I, I was really not happy with the final piece, and it um, didn't have enough time to to work out the the problems with it. And the publisher very kindly said, "Well, let's just leave this one <laughs> for this issue." And I was so relieved when they said that, but I was also quite embarrassed to to let them down and, and not deliver what I'd said I was going to deliver. So, um, so that was a huge lesson for me. Um, and it was, it was definite, it was a definite failure. Um, and, but I learned so much from it. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been as well. So, yeah, but I guess that's my, my cautionary tale is to give yourself lots and lots of time. <laughs> No, definitely. It is so tempting to get carried away with stuff and to add more and more. And and it's a very common thing that people say to this question is, is that oh, I didn't really appreciate how much time I would need to execute this thing. And mm -hmm. only one, well, not a small thing, getting chicken pox in a foreign country is probably a little mm -hmm. bit on the bigger side. Of I mean, that scale. wasn't the only thing that sort of yeah. <laughs> happened, but that was the that was the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. The headline piece. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, it happens though, doesn't it? it happens. Yeah. It's just just how things go. Oh, brilliant! Thank you for sharing that and for being so honest about it. Because people sometimes <laughs> are a little bit cagey about this question. It's like I don't fail. And it's yeah. Like, nah. I mean, it is hard to admit um, having a failure. It isn't easy to sort of be honest about it really but uh yeah i mean i'm a, it's a few years ago so i'm okay about it now hmm. um but yeah <laughs> oh no i'm just like yeah yeah i cocked it up not even bothered whatever <laughs> what am i not gonna do next time <laughs> right right well i think yeah. you know and I've, I've had this conversation with a, a few people recently it's, i think it's a, from coming from a military background and we're always even if we do really well we're always debriefing and looking back and saying well yeah, that went really well, but what parts of it could we improve? And and it is very much part of the mindset. And even if you think you've had the best sortie ever, you're still there's still stuff that you'll bring out of it because that's just what we're like. So mm. it, I never really see it, anything that goes wrong as a failure, you know, which I suppose is quite good, really. Yeah, that's amazing. How did you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good to be happened in my twenties when I was a bit more bolshy and I didn't really care. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try harder <laughs> next time. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So taking about that learning ex from that learning experience and to the opposite end of the scale, and I'm very interested to hear what you'll say about this. What <laughs> has been the high point for you so far? Well, I mean, there's been lots of high points. Um, 
you were there for one of them mm-hmm. <laughs> last year, which was the UK Podcast Award. That was so much fun. Um, the um, My Curious Handmade Podcast was uh, won the Best Hobbies podcast at the first UK Podcast Awards last year. So I was very proud of that. Um, because as I said before, I, I put a huge amount of work into the podcast and a lot of time. So, so that was really great. Um, and it was, you know, fun to be, to celebrate that, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, other high points are just meeting people and traveling. You know, I've got to talk to people like Elizabeth, who's the founder of Squam on my podcast and Clara Parks. Um, you know, with her new book, Knitlandia, was, um, you know, super, uh, you know, high point. Um, I got to meet my podcasting mentor, Paula, at her Knitting Pipeline retreat last year. And, yeah, just things like that, little, um, yeah, trips and and meeting people um, are super, super high points for me. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's the fun part of the job. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, podcasting, it, it is very rewarding, but it is it is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, and you should you should be very proud of your award at the podcast awards too. <laughs> I was. Do you know what I liked it. most? <laughs> I liked all the little sad faces from the business people who took themselves really seriously, and uh, and the minute I walked on stage, just bantered them, saying that the knitting podcasters were better, which is true. Frankly, it's true. <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> it might not be that smug this year. <laughs> but, wow. um, no, it was good. fun. It was a fun moment, for sure. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. I think um, a lot of people were surprised at two knitting podcasts, that even people, one, did knitting podcasts, and two, that two of them would win awards, I think raised a lot of eyebrows. I really enjoyed that. Mm. Yeah, I really <laughs> enjoyed that too. It was cool. It was cool. Aww. Um, I'm just looking actually I've got my little award on the window ledge I've got it out of the box and put it on the window ledge yes um, yeah it's dusty though now I'm gonna have to polish it <laughs> um, so I'm taking it then from um high points of your journey to the one thing what is the one thing that you know now that you wish you would know when you picked up the first ball of yarn <laughs> um I think the one thing is if you make a mistake, unpick it and start again straight away. <laughs> Don't plow on in denial thinking that it is going to magically disappear. <laughs> it's better to go back and start again, <laughs> which I can say now I'm a faster knitter, but at the time when I was painstakingly knitting my first scarf was like a big deal to unpick a single row. So, But, yeah, if you're a new knitter, just... Just go back to your mistakes, sort them out, and you'll be much happier for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And don't do that thing where you just go, oh, this needs unpicking. Oh, I'm annoyed now. I just throw it to the side because it'll be there forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. I love it. I always wonder what you, you – you make me laugh because you do these little giggles to yourself. I know. And I always I'm wonder what you're laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> it's easily it. amused, I guess. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um so desert islands games then we're gonna laugh all the way through this now i know i every report card i ever had in primary school was the comments was giggles too much so <laughs> it's just something that has never changed 
So um, Desert Islands Games then, and uh, this could be a difficult one for you because I've, I've heard all about your expansive stash. <laughs> but you're right. only allowed to pick one, Helen. If you were going to be marooned on a desert island of your choice, because um, you're a traveller, so I'm sure you have one in mind, um, and you could only take one skein or ball of yarn, what would it be and why? Well, um, I, speaking of the stash, uh, was thinking about the stash when I was thinking about this question and it would have to be one of my precious, um, now discontinued, are we allowed to use, say something discontinued? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, skeins of Juno Alice fingering weight yarn from um, Asti, who's now since um, taking a break from dying but uh, has always been my my first love <laughs> of yarn choice. And I have, uh, when she announced that she was stopping dying, I did amass quite a considerable <laughs> stash of Gino Alice. So um, it's very precious. Yeah, so it would be one of those, I guess. And why would you choose that over the other choices? Yeah, I guess just it's such a pleasure to knit. It's... Um, I'm not going to know the exact um, makeup of it now, but it's it's just a beautiful. It's alpaca and cashmere, and um, it's super super soft and beautiful to knit. So that would be why. And pretty colors. I'd have to I'd have to spend some time choosing the 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 color, but um, yeah, it's just it's just lovely to knit, and it would make a shawl, <laughs> perfect size for a shawl. So. Yeah. You see, I love that. You're all about the, you know, the luxury. You're like, no, I'm not going to take anything practical. I'm not oh, going to take no. this weight. I'm just going to take what I want to knit with because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I would totally go with that. Definitely. So um, what is your favorite or your go-to resource for yarn craft or business that you couldn't do without? Um, well, it's got to be Ravelry, hasn't it? Um, I can't really go past Ravelry, but Knitting podcasts are equal or close second. Mm. Yeah. Um, I couldn't live without either of those in my work or um, hobby side of my knitting. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we're quite lucky we've got so many to choose from as well when it comes to podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've recently got more into video podcasts, which I'm really enjoying at the moment, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I've listened to audio podcasts for many years and, yeah, it's just um, I learn so much from them. Um, so, yeah. Super. So um, where is the best place for the listeners to come find you? You can find me at curioushandmade.com and that's my website slash blog where I have links to pretty much everything. And if you're looking for the podcast, you can find it on iTunes and it's also on Stitcher, um, Stitcher Radio, under Curious Handmade. <laughs> Lovely. I will put links to all of that in the show notes, of course. So do you have any parting words then for people who may be thinking about um, giving designing a try or getting into the industry? Oh, uh, well, I don't feel like a particular expert, but... I would say um, to be patient because I think it takes a long time to grow a business and, you know, it, it yeah, it just takes years 
um, give it a good, good, give it a good few years if you if you really want to, you know, succeed. I think, and um, yeah, practice a lot. Um, it's I don't think people, you know, I think people think, oh, they're so talented, or you know, um, I could never do that, but. Uh, give it a try, yeah. Just try and see, and um, don't don't stop at the first thing. Keep keep going and try a few more, and um, and then you'll find out if you like it and uh, if you can do it. Brilliant. So it's time to get excited. No, no giggling. Right. <laughs> what? Now I'm really conscious of it. Have you noticed I'm not giggling anymore? Oh, don't, don't stop giggling. That's a favorite part, my favorite part of your podcast. I can't help it. <laughs> so what is next for you? What can we look forward to from Curious Handmade over the next few months? Yeah, I've got lots of designs in the pipeline. Um, I'm working on a new shawl collection, which may, be, um, may become a shawl club. I'm still working on the details of that. Um, I am planning to do my mystery knit along again this year and later in the year I'm thinking ahead to knit vent already. Cool. Oh, it's not summer yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, so next next week, uh, depending on when you when you publish this, next week uh, I'm um off to my very first retreat and so I'm hoping that there'll be more in the future. Um and attending lots of knitting events. So yeah, super busy, super busy year planned ahead. Oh, cool. I wish I was coming to your knitting retreat. I was proper slow off the mark. And by the time I even realized it was happening, it was sold out. <laughs> so oh, my life. <laughs> I wish you were coming too. Yeah, I'll have to come to the next one then, won't I? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, I'm sure it will be a resounding success. And I look forward to hearing all about it afterwards. Um, so thank you very much for agreeing to come on the show, Helen. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Jo. It's real, really lovely to have a chat. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with uh, Helen. I certainly did. I, I really love how she giggles all the way through everything. Um, I just found her quite fun, really quite good fun <laughs> um, uh, to hang around with and to chat to. Because when you first meet her, she is quite quiet and not maybe how you would expect. Um, but she's really good fun uh, once you get chatting to her and stuff. So I was really pleased that she agreed to come on to the show and uh, tell all of you guys a bit more about how she goes about creating her designs and where she gets her ideas from. So I think that is all we have time for this week, certainly. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'm looking forward to being back with you next week. But until then, have a lovely week, happy crafting, and I will speak to you all again soon. Bye. to the shiny bees podcast a podcast for those who like their knitting comedy and yarn in equally large measures if you'd like to get in contact with me you can do so via the blog or i'm shiny bees on ravelry instagram twitter pinterest and facebook you can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com music for this episode is provided by a music alley and it is adam and the walter boys and i need a drink i need a drink